Welcome to Hidden Headlines, the good news, the God news, the stuff the secular media won't touch. I'm Brian Sussman, and this is a special edition of Hidden Headlines. We'll get to the top stories from my blog at briansussman.com in just a bit. In the meantime, this is a follow-up to a story from last week. It includes an interview you won't want to miss. If there's something about the phrase social justice that rubs you the wrong way, if you believe the term diversity is being improperly used, then this episode is for you and you'll want to share it with others. Let me say this up front. God loves everyone. He wants to see all humanity come into a relationship with him and be assured eternal life. Everyone. Now, that said, there was a story last week involving a private Christian university here in California. I initially learned of the story in question via WorldNet Daily. It was entitled, Members Quit Christian University Boards Citing Morality Drift. Upon reading the article, I realized I knew one of the two board members who quit. My son also attended the school for two years. It's Azusa Pacific University near Los Angeles. Enrollment at APU is about 10,000 students. Let me refresh you on the story. Raleigh Washington, a prominent African-American pastor known for his leadership in the Promise Keepers men's movement, and Dave Diaz, a Sacramento area business executive, submitted their letters of resignation two weeks ago to the Board of Trustees at Azusa Pacific University, APU. Dave Diaz is a longtime friend of mine. Washington has been a trustee for 15 years. He wrote that he, he had consistently confronted this board over the previous six years with abundant evidence that the administration and a substantial portion of the faculty were promoting a progressive ideology that clashed with the institution's statement of faith and core principles. He said, after fervent prayer and with integrity of heart, I cannot continue to be a part of these violations of God's word. I fear the spiritual consequences of this lack of correction and discipline. Asked for a response, by the way, APU's public relations office provided WorldNet Daily with a statement that said, we respectfully disagree with the assertion that the board is not committed to APU's Christian foundation and focus. We're grateful for their friendship and many years of generosity and faithful service, yada, 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 yada. You might remember this. APU was in the news in September. There was a lobbying effort by an LGBT advocacy group on campus, and the university's administrative board approved the elimination of this Christian university's policy, which barred students from engaging in, quote-unquote, romanticized same-sex relationships while at the same time maintaining a ban on sexual relations outside of marriage. So essentially, the university was upholding the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, but at the same time allowing for quote-unquote romanticized relationships between same-sex couples on campus. Seems to me as a Christian university, you really need to fish or cut bait. What do you stand for? And this goes for Christian schools and even churches. Do you want a large attendance wherein you can tickle ears and be popular with the culture of this world? Or do you want to influence the world by walking and talking in the light of the scriptures? Like obviously Dave Diaz and Raleigh Washington want to do, even if it's not necessarily popular. Diaz, in fact, said, I have deep concerns about the long-term viability of APU as a God-first university. God-first has been one of their long-time mottos. So... I spoke with Pastor Washington from his home on the East Coast for this Hidden Headline episode. 
Now, I'll admit, I didn't know much about him prior to making the call, so I had to do my research. First, way back in the day, he was a scholarship baseball player at Florida A&M. Okay, like that. Following college, he did 20 years in the Army as an officer. All right, even better. He left the military and then attended seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, now known as Trinity International University. He graduated in 1983. By the way, he eventually returned to Trinity to teach theology. He went on to co-found Rock Church in Chicago. Uh, It's a church that made headlines for being a very diverse evangelical church. In 1993, he co-authored a book called Breaking Down Walls, which outlined practical steps to work towards racial reconciliation. In 1998, he joined Promise Keepers, that national men's ministry, um, also known for its incredible diversity, which he was in large measure a part of. And in addition to all that, 15 years ago, he was asked to join the board at Azusa Pacific University to help the school grow a more diverse student body in the name of Jesus-centered racial reconciliation. So all that said, I spoke to him about why he decided to join the board at Azusa Pacific University, and he added a few more details to his resume in the process. Reconciliation is my mantra. I pastored a racially diverse church, uh, uh, 35% white, 5% 5% Hispanic and uh, 55% African American in uh, Chicago, on the west side of Chicago. I co authored uh, a book entitled Breaking Down Walls A Model of Reconciliation in the Age of Racial Strife that won the gold medallion. Uh, uh, I was awarded the Doctor of Peacemaking, Westminster College, and I was the third recipient of that award that was given based on my work in reconciliation. The first recipient of that award was Mother Teresa. The second recipient of that award was Bishop Desmond Tutu in South Africa. Uh, So those credentials uh, certainly enhanced their embracement of me. I asked Pastor Washington about this perceived spiritual drift that he felt was occurring at APU and when he first noticed it. Uh, I taught theology Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, a part of Trinity International University, with my good friend who's with the Lord now, Dr. Grant Osborne. So I'm sensitive to orthodox theology. And when I read papers from uh, professors in the theology department that were a contradiction to uh, an orthodox interpretation of uh, theology, Frankly, what they were writing was not just off base, it was literally heresy. You know, uh, according to the Bible, there's no such thing as a third gender. And things like that were coming out of papers that I read. That certainly uh, caused my antenna to go, and I began to ask a few questions, uh, talk with uh, students, and uh, the more I asked, the more I discovered and the worse it became. We had lots of professors. I would say (laughs) perhaps even as many as half of the professors, and it could even be more, who were professors who embraced and was teaching liberal theology, 
and by that, Brian, I mean a, a liberal theology approach to Scripture is that when the culture changes, uh, it changes the application of the Scripture. Uh, and uh, orthodox or uh, conservative theological approaches, the Word of God is true and it never changes, and the Word of God really um, evaluates uh, culture, not the reverse. So based upon the concerns of Pastor Washington, the board decided to put together a blue ribbon committee to study these alleged problems. But Washington said the moral drift only got worse. So the Blue Ribbon Task Force functioned for more than a year and, and accomplished zero in validating theological drift. All the while, things were getting worse. Uh, there were professors who were uh, proclaiming uh, uh, non-biblical uh, uh, positions publicly on Facebook and other places, yet nothing was being done uh, to correct the situation, challenge the people who were wrong, or make any changes. And then there was this issue of diversity, something that Raleigh Washington, of course, is known for, as I mentioned. He explained to me the difference between the current culture's definition of diversity, which includes a variety of sexual orientations and gender, or I should say maybe even genders, and the Bible's definition of diversity, which speaks to race and ethnicity. Pastor Washington refers to the latter as God-honoring diversity, a descriptive phrase that was embraced by APU. God-honoring diversity. god honored honoring diversity is biblical diversity. It is uh, uh, black and white, brown, red, and yellow race. Jew and Gentile are all considered equal in the sight of God and should be reached out in an intentional way to ensure that you have diversity uh, on the board, diversity on the staff, diversity in administration, diversity among the professors, and diversity within the student body. And that was what I pushed uh, uh, I assisted them in developing what they called Imago Day training, that is, Image of God training, that was designed to help advance that. And it went, it went exceedingly well. As time passed, the president uh, and uh, a person they placed in as a chief diversity officer stopped using the phrase God honoring diversity, stating that that was offensive to some of the schools that they were uh, cooperating with, UCLA, University of Southern California, uh, which are secular schools, obviously, and not Christian uh, schools. Uh, and as I looked into this, uh, the uh, really definition of diversity without using words had been expanded to include more than what I would call God-honoring diversity. It, be, it began to include other things uh, uh, in a diverse category to include uh, members of uh, the uh, LBGT community. Uh, that is a contradiction of a scriptural definition of diversity, which I would call God-honoring diversity, and they really varied from that. All of this was a part of 
the theological drift. The bigger problem was the theological drift, and this departure on the definition of diversity and what they did was, was but one of the elements that were symptomatic of the greater problem, and that was theological drift. Something else seems to have made its way into the culture at APU as well, social justice. We hear the phrase all the time. Now, while at first, when you hear this two-word phrase, that sounds wonderful, oh, social justice. But social justice is antithetical to orthodox biblical understanding, as Pastor Washington explained to me. Well, the activists, and uh, many of them were... uh, or appear to be professors at Azusa, uh, look at social justice from the standpoint uh, uh, of, of a definition that I think is very contrary to uh, social justice uh, from a biblical standpoint. The, uh, the word justice biblically literally means righteousness. Uh, it literally means God-honoring and righteousness, doing the right thing. Social justice, uh, 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 term to be a term uh, that would uh, demand uh, that uh, you accepted people, no matter who they were, what they did, uh, what their, uh, uh, whether they were Christian or non-Christian, or whether they lived a life uh, in opposition to Christian principles, uh, socially, uh, you had to embrace them, and and uh, if you did not do that, you were in violation of their definition of social justice. Uh, uh, I I think that was uh, 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 you saw it uh, uh, going. Uh, students really went rampant in this way. Social justice to a student is if a professor didn't do uh, something uh, that they thought was right they would uh, raise a picket that professor and cause that professor to leave. By the way, it should be noted, and I think this is wonderful, Azusa Pacific University does not require a student to be a Christian in order to attend. However, that can also lead to problems. Uh, However, uh, APU position is they do not require students to be Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, that gives them an opportunity to be evangelistic. And I saw that happening my first four or five years there. Uh, this is 15 years ago. Uh, that was very encouraging for mm-hmm. me to see. But as time progressed, uh, uh, not holding non-Christian students uh, to the same standard of behavior of Christian students, no matter what you believe, you have to abide by the policies. Right. And I saw on a wholesale basis uh, a refusal and a failure to hold non-Christian students to uh, uh, abide by the policies, uh, the biblical-founded uh, policies of the institution. Washington also provided me with an additional story of how authentic evangelism can work on a Christian campus when you're dealing with kids attending who aren't Christian. He took me back to 1998, a few years before he was on the board at APU. He was asked to speak to the football team. Well, well, interestingly enough, 
a couple of years before I became a trustee, this, this had to be 18, nearly 20 years ago, I was called by the coach who preceded uh, Coach Cruz. Uh, I went there with uh, uh, Gary Dation, who was on the trustee board and had two sons on the football team uh, uh, doing uh, their uh, practice before, two-a-day practices before the season started. The reason why they asked me to come is to speak to the team, but not simply speak, but to preach the gospel to the team. And I did that, and I called for a response. And more than a dozen of the football players gave their lives to the Lord when I gave an invitation. Uh, that team responded, and it was kind of like a spiritual revival broke out in the campus. That team went on to play in a national championship game. They asked me to come to do the chapel before the game. I did, and they won the national championship uh, uh, that year. Well, that certainly was an uplifting story, but the final account that Raleigh Washington shared with me was indeed sobering. More than 20 years ago, Brian, I read the front page of a USA Today, and the USA Today front page said, um, uh, moral decadence in America is at an all-time high. Then turn over like page three or four, and it gave the reasons why. And then the five, six, seven reasons that they gave, here was the reason that jumped out and grabbed me. It says, the church has lost its ability to influence society. Uh, I think that's the day in which we live, and I think it's an indictment on the body of Christ, and I think the reason why the church has lost its uh, ability to influence society is because of liberal theology. Uh, Social justice says, hey, you have to accept me and whatever I think and whatever I believe, and if you don't do that, you're wrong. Uh, so political rightness and, and, and uh, the dynamic uh, that's uh, so prevalent today uh, is, is going to, uh, uh, has begun and will continue to adversely affect our nation, which is a God-fearing nation. Our money says in God we trust. Uh, we're moving from that when a Supreme Court uh, says that same-sex marriage is the law of the land. Uh, that is certainly inconsistent with what Dwight Eisenhower brought into being, and that is uh, money or, uh, has the document, in God we trust. The trust in God is to obey the Word of God, and we desperately need to get back to that. And we do need to get back to that. That's Pastor Raleigh Washington on Hidden Headlines. Some of the other stories in the news that you'll find at briansussman.com and the blog. This week, of course, we had another shooting in France. It was a terrible occurrence, uh, this time in Strasbourg, France. This time of the year, you have to remember, there are certain cities in Europe that go all out for Christmas. And Strasbourg is one of those cities in France that does just that. Uh, this shooter was known to French authorities for being a radicalized Muslim. 
And indeed, what did he shout just prior to pulling the trigger and killing people? Allah Akbar. You've probably read more about this story than I need to go into at this point in time, but can I just say this? What the Muslim world needs is a radical conversion to Jesus. And thank God this is happening. I have met people, and maybe you have as well, or certainly perhaps you've read the accounts, of Muslims who are literally being awakened in the night in dreams by Jesus. Now, I will tell you, one of the most uh, amazing stories that I personally had an encounter with, there was a Bible study that I was running some years ago, and uh, a young Iranian man was attending this Bible study. He was a relatively new convert to Christianity. And I asked him about his story, and he shared with a group of us how he came to know the Lord. And it was, of course, one of these situations where living in Iran, being a Christian is a big deal. You're wearing it on your shirt sleeves. And interestingly, it kind of dovetails into the last story we had with Pastor Washington and Dave Diaz and Azusa Pacific University. The world is watching. The world is watching us. If we're not living according to the scriptures, they, law, they, they watch and they laugh, I believe. And so it is if you're going to be a Christian in the Middle East. People want to see, okay, are you really following the ways of Yeshua or Jesus, if you will? Uh, we've, we've, we've heard about these scriptures. Are you living it? So your life's on display. But he told me about this one time when he and his brother, this friend of mine who's Iranian, actually Persian as he described himself, there is somewhat of a difference. But as a Persian man, he and his brother were out distributing Bibles, something that's against the law. They were far outside of Tehran in a village. Their Toyota Corolla broke down. His brother's a mechanic, gets out of the car, no problem, I'll fix this Corolla no time flat. I've fixed it many times. So as he's trying to fix the vehicle, a, a tribal gentleman came up to them and said, where's my Bible? And they looked at each other thinking, how does he know that we're distributing Bibles? They looked at him. They realized he wasn't religious police because he was dressed in a very traditional tribal outfit um, wasn't necessarily a well-educated man like, say, the religious police would be. Um, and so they got to conversing with the guy, and the guy said, well, I, I know you have a Bible for me because last night in my dream, Jesus appeared. And he said, at this particular time, as he pointed to his watch, at this particular time, there would be a blue Toyota parked right at this corner, and you would have my Bible. And the brothers looked at each other and they gave him a Bible. They struck up a relationship. They struck up a conversation with him. And uh, they were so excited when it was all said and done after they exchanged contact information and told them where their church met in Tehran that they got in the car, turned the key, and the car fired up. And it was only then that they realized, wait a second, this car isn't supposed to be working right now. You see, that was the Lord orchestrating all this. And as this Persian man told us the story, he began weeping because this really did happen. And the villager would take a bus to Tehran every Sunday to meet with them for church. So what this world needs is for radical conversions of Muslims to Jesus, to Yeshua. And we need to be praying about that. We need to be praying about that. 
Meantime, another story at BrianSussman.com. I love this. Um, it's about a gang member who gave his life to Jesus, notorious gang leader named Level. Well, his real name is Rene Martinez. Spent the more, majority of his life in and out of jail, breaking into homes, stealing guns, doing drugs, dealing drugs, getting into fights. But now this former gang leader has found a new calling. He's preaching Jesus to gang members all across the United States. Quote, I've lived a crazy life. I did some horrible things in my life, and I know it's only by the grace of God and his mercy that I'm alive and free. I was gang affiliated from the 80s to 2012. I've seen a lot of people die in front of me. I've been through a lot. So he joined this gang, the Latin Syndicate, back in the day. By the way, during the time he was in the gang, he turned to uh, MMA fighting, earned a pretty darn good reputation under the stage name Level. He even defeated three-time world champion Ricardo Mayorga in Nicaragua. But in 2013, when he was recording gangster music in his garage, he heard Jesus speak to him saying, I spared you for such a time as this. He said, I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. The time when a gun was jammed in my face, when a bullet whistled by my ear, I almost died five or six times. All my friends that died, he was remembering those things. God set me free for a reason and I repented right then and there. But he said it really took off to another level when he was baptized, or as we Jewish believers like to say, immersed, immersed. Everything changed for him in an instant. When I went in the water, that was April 10th, 2016, that day shifted my life. It ain't never been the same. Something incredible in my life happened that I can't explain. It was Jesus. Only Jesus can do that. You know, I've met gang leaders as well. I've had such a rich experience. You know, I've met the converted Muslims. I've met the converted gang members. And can I say this? What the gang world need is, needs is a radical conversion to Jesus. I'll give you one story. That same men's group I was talking about where the Persian guy talked about his story. Uh, we had a, a young guy that just got out of San Quentin. In fact, I'm hoping to do an Another Chance podcast on this young guy. But he had just gotten out of San Quentin prison and he'd given his life to the Lord. And he was coming along quite nicely, and a number of us were uh, inputting into his life, discipling him, if you were, will. And uh, he and I were at a Starbucks uh, near San Francisco, on the peninsula, actually, in Mountain View, California. And uh, Mountain View, home to Facebook and everybody else. But we're, we're having some uh, coffee, and as we're leaving the coffee shop, this car slowly stops at the curb and they motion to my friend to come to the car. And these are some, these are some scary looking guys, I'm just going to say. And my friend walks over to the car, it's a brief conversation, and he walks back. And I said, what was that all about? He goes, well, he goes, I'm on their turf. You know, they recognize me from my gang days. And uh, they, they knew I was on their turf, and they asked me to come over, and we conversed, and, and they had heard that I was out of prison, and they had heard that I was a Christian. And uh, so they'll keep an eye on me. And I, I said, what does that mean, keep an eye on you? He said, well, they're going to they're gonna observe my life. And if it looks as if it was just jailhouse religion, and I was just doing that to, uh, you know, stay out of the gang life, that ain't working for them. So they're going to keep an eye on me to make sure I'm not a hypocrite. Again, this goes back to the story with Raleigh Washington and my friend Dave Diaz and, and this moral drift that's happening in Christian institutions, including churches. Folks, what are we standing for? The world is watching us. They are watching us.
and they 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 want security. They want assurity. They want to know that God is real. We've got to take a stand in love. Okay, there I go again preaching <laughs> on hidden headlines. Uh, I have another story for you. It's on the blog, briansussman.com. And uh, let me see here. Hold on. We've got computers firing off. Things are going crazy. Um, the uh, This has to do with these two men, Jordan Cole and Kenneth Bryant. They were traveling to a pastor's conference along with other men with their Mud Man food truck. That's a, a nonprofit that sells hamburgers to raise money for the Potter's Field Ministries, which is a great ministry that helps kids all over the world. So they're driving the food truck, um, and uh, the food truck breaks down and leads to this truly divine encounter, which I hope you read about, but I'll explain briefly. Um, Jordan Cole says, we heard a voice, and that voice was to get out of the truck. And I saw a semi swerving toward us. So these guys were out of the truck, apparently, because it broke down. They were in different places in in adjacency to the truck. And both felt the urge to get out. So it's like we're in the truck. The truck's broken down. The Lord says, get out to me. The Lord says, get out to Kenneth. We get out. Ohio State Patrol officers say the men would have died if they stayed in the vehicle. Because another truck plowed right into them. So the driver of that truck survived. These two guys were okay. Quote, we've come to the conclusion it was Jesus. He allowed this to happen for us to be able to share our story. So people will know that our Heavenly Father is mindful of us. There's a purpose for your life. You do have a reason to be living, and it's God's perfect timing. Um, I want you to read that story at briansussman.com, but the bottom line is he is mindful of us and he is watching over us at all times. And it is appointed a time for all of us to die and then the judgment. There's no question about that. But to be plugged into his presence and to know that he can speak to you in the good times and the bad times, in safety, non-safety, health, non-health, whatever the case may be, to know that you have that assurance that he is real and he's watching over your life and to have that confidence that when this life is over, you're in his hands. You're with him in eternity forever. Oh my gosh, friends, what a relief. What a relief. And that is Hidden Headlines for this week. It's always a pleasure. By the way, just go to briansussman.com. You can look at all the various ways to be in touch with me uh, via Facebook, via Twitter. Of course, uh, so many ways to reach out, stay in touch. And please, if you enjoyed today's Hidden Headlines podcast, share it. We need to get the word out. Thank you so much, my good friends. Brian Sussman, Hidden Headlines, signing off.